I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Well, we are wrapping up all the previews, so we had to save one of the best for last. Uh, We got the Western League preview coming at you right now in the City Conference. Arguably one of the best leagues in San Diego County. Uh, it rivals the Avocado League, the Grossmont Hills League, you know, the Metro Mesa, probably the four top dog leagues, if you if you ask me. But I know for a fact that uh, my man to my right here, Mr. Top Dog, Chris Smith, uh, has something to say about how great the Western League is. First of all, Chris, thanks again for joining me. The last one of the uh, before we start ready to play real football. Well, thank you for having me. I, I appreciate you guys having me on and talking high school football here in San Diego. Yeah, let's get let's get into it. I know we we're talking off air. You roll in here. You're like, I don't need any notes. I don't got anything uh, that prepared because this is the Western League and this is a fun league to talk about. Uh, let's get into it. Cathedral Catholic, Madison, Lincoln, Point Loma, Saint Augustine. Um, you know, three of the teams right now stick out because they are top five teams right now in the county. Um, you know, according to the Union Tribune and, and a lot of rankings all over the place. Um, what excites you most about the Western League this year? Uh, they got talent. I mean, if you go back and look last year, I think they were the only division in San Diego to win both the Open, D1, and Division Two, And they won three championships in CIF. So to have three of those teams in one central division, I mean, it's impressive. It's pretty impressive. And then just, you know, the city con- – because we've been breaking down, me and you, the city conferences in general, uh, the season that they had last year, not only winning the first, uh, you know, Open, D1 and D2, but winning like D3 and D4 all the way down um, for the most part, kind of almost a clean sweep for the city league. Uh, you have to like that for, for the city interconference, especially over the last like 10 years or so when they maybe haven't been winning as many championships. Well, I mean, everybody's pretty much said, you know, the Avocado is the best league in San Diego. But, you know, last year they didn't have any championships. And the city conference had five championships. And I think that's actually a record for one conference to have five CIF championships coming out of one one conference. And it, it really is. I think it speaks to the volume of how dedicated our coaches are here in the city conference and how, um, you know, competitive our players are, how, how better the programs are turning around to be. They get a lot of kids, uh, you know, staying in their neighborhoods. You got a lot of kids staying home, and, and and the talent is not all going to one school anymore. It's kind of like spreading out, and now you're getting a lot of teams that are very even uh, in caliber instead of like maybe the one dominant city league team. Absolutely, I think that when you start spreading out some of the talent around, amongst Lincoln, San Diego, Morris, you start spreading around the entire city conference. The elevation of play across the entire conference goes up, and I think back in the years past, you'd have. You know, five, six, seven D1 guys end up at one school. Well, now they're kind of spreading that love around a little bit more. And, you know, I think it's a level playing field down there. So we're, we, we've been talking about the City Conference, but let's get into the Western League. That's the top dogs of the City Conference. Uh, starting with Cathedral Catholic, we go in alphabetical order um, throughout these uh, podcasts. Uh, they come in, you know, 12-2 and two a year ago. Their JV team went 10-0. and 0. Their JV team last year only gave up two touchdowns 
in the entire season, which is kind of remarkable uh, that it, that any team could do that an entire season, let alone a JV football team. Um, notable wins last year, of course, Torrey Pines in the Open Championship, Narbonne uh, in the uh, Southern California Regional, and then St. Augustine, one of the league games for them. Uh, they lost two games last year, one of them being a state championship game, the last game of the year, and one of them being the first game of the year for them, uh, La Costa Canyon, a year ago. Their opening rating is a 57.2. They do return 13 of their 22 guys from a year ago, most notably their offensive line. Uh, overall, before we start getting into their schedule, uh, what is your synopsis on Cathedral Catholic? Uh, it, it, nothing's really going to change for Cathedral. I mean, they are a running team. They're going to run the ball. They're going to run the ball some more. And guess what? They're going to run the ball even more. They've got a dominant offensive line. They've got a quarterback that's a great uh, conductor of the offense. Uh, you got four legitimate running backs over there. A couple guys like Lucky Sutton that nobody's really even seen on the varsity level yet. They just keep reloading and reloading and reloading. Uh, the JV team, I got to say, you're a little partial, I think, but because uh, <laughs> you coach over there. But uh, with that said, um, there's a lot of guys that are going to be plug and play. You know, so if one guy goes down, they've got incredible amount of depth at um, the offensive line, the defensive line, the linebacking core. I think they've got probably the best linebacking core between uh, Jordan Allen and Devin Dye over there. Um, there's not a lot of holes to this this team, and I don't. I mean, until you beat the big dog. You can't be the big dog. There's there there's a little bit of a question mark in terms of um, how dominant they were when they had Sean Poma as compared to how poor they were when they did not have Sean Poma, and we'll see how much of a factor that plays into it because Sean Poma is a hell of a high school football player from a year ago. Um, he wasn't he didn't play for them two years ago. They went five and seven. The first game against La Costa Canyon, he missed three quarters and they lost. So. I, you can say what you want about you know being able to retool, um, but they're going to eventually have to get over the hump of not having Sean Poma, and that starts uh, tomorrow against La Costa Canyon. Um, I know they have a lot of guys that can play running back. Um, how do you see that, that working out in terms of trying to replace a guy like Sean Poma? Because last year was toned the uh, year of the running back. I think somebody came up with that potentially in this room. There's a lot of teams that have to replace a lot of good running backs this year. Cathedral Catholic is one of them. I mean, you can't replace Deshaun Poma. That that's just it. The kid was a remarkable you can't replace athlete. Jamon Clendon, right? Keenan Christian. It, it, like, it's really difficult when you get those, those D1 guy, caliber running backs that are that are you know home run threats. Um, but I mean, if you look at the way Cathedral is looking at things right now, you know the kid that came over from Point Loma, Christian Hall, great running back over there. You've got another shifty running back that plays both ways, um, and Matt Bryant. Mm-hmm. You've got Xavier Watson who will pound the rock. And then here comes Lucky Sutton, though it looks like a grown man already, and I think he's only a sophomore. So, I mean, it's kind of running back by committee. I think that at some point in the season, one of those guys is going to stand out, make themselves the running back, and the other guys are going to stand behind him and, and give a change of pace back, if you will. Uh, the, the most interesting thing is going to be the offensive line. Um, you know, they lost Ross Masauli. He's no longer at Cathedral anymore. Uh, but the fact that they could just plug and chug and still have a really good line is is really remarkable. Uh, downsides, probably not a lot of depth in terms of defensive line. Uh, they're going to have to replace a lot of guys on the defensive line. And as, as much guys as they have coming back, defensively they're still really young. They have a lot of seniors on their defense, but you know, aside from Jordan Allen, Devin Dye, you got you know Jackson Moy. He's coming back kind of because he played in the state championship game as a freshman. He's going to be a stud, but going to be a stud. He already is he, a stud. He's 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 an underclassman. Uh, you got to replace uh, defensive lineman that they, they you know you don't have a Miles McCormick anymore. You don't right. have a Trevor Ray anymore. Um, outside linebackers. 
filling in. You know, Joe Sprague's getting some work, but he doesn't have a lot of varsity time. Uh, the whole secondary, besides Deshaun Swafford, are a lot of guys that did not get a lot of playing time last year either. And then who's going to plug in next to Devin Dye uh, tomorrow against LCC? You have uh, Michael Nadell, and you also have Luco Tenero, the brother of Nico Tenero, who just played, you know, a year ago for Cathedral. Now, I'm going to say this, and I hope Luke doesn't get mad about this. I think Nick's actually probably a better linebacker than, than, than his older brother. I mean, I got to see him last year on JV, and that kid was flying around, Luke. smacking people in the mouth. Phenomenal young man, and uh, I think he's not going to have a problem stepping up to varsity. I think the kid's ready. I think he's ready too, and, and and I got to see this team up close a lot. You know, I'm part of the program a little bit, and and, and I'm an alumni as well, so I get to see him. Um, but it, it, Luco Tenero is a, is a hell of an athlete, um, and he played a lot of running back last year on JV and was pounding kids. So that's another guy that you can add to the mix. Another uh, option. Th- huh? Another option you could potentially give the ball to. I wonder. Um, if, I wonder if Coach Doyle is listening to this right now. Oh, uh, he's not listening right now. Maybe maybe in a maybe in a couple hours or so he might be able to tune into uh, this podcast. Of course, um, let, let's go. Through the schedule at or they got LCC first uh, revenge game for them. It's at home. Um, you know what? They had a scrimmage this year. Cathedral did. So who knows if they come out of the gate strong or not? Um, but that's a game that uh, Cathedral really wants. But you know what? That LCC team's still pretty good, and it's not going to be a walk in the park. Uh, then they got Saguaro from Arizona in the Honor Bowl next Saturday. Then they got Centennial from Corona. Uh, a dominant team uh, all of the all all the time at Helix at Eastlake Otay Ranch and then they get in the league play uh, which is you know going to be difficult with Lincoln and Saints and you know even Madison and, and maybe Point Loma that might be one of the best schedules you know and toughest schedules in San Diego County yeah I mean I talked to the running back coach over there Barry Winston we were talking about that schedule in the off season and I asked him candidly why the heck would you put Corona Centennial on your schedule, Coach? <laughs> and he says, look, you know, we're not afraid of competition. You know, our guys get up for big games, and they want to play the best, and they believe that in order to be the best, you got to beat the best. So I don't think they're going to have a lot of trouble this year. I think that um, they've gelled as a team. I think that this team is a lot more mature than, than outsiders. You know, they say that they're young, per se, but they really play well together. So I don't see them having any trouble. I think maybe 8-2, and 9-1. and one. I do see them as an open division team. I, I think they're an open division team as well. I have them going eight and two. I think they lose the Corona Centennial. Uh, Centennial usually has a line the Cathedral has, but they have five guys at least, maybe six or seven that can fill in and rotate through. And they're going to have that and a defensive line uh, in terms of, and not all not all those guys are going to play both ways. They're going to have an entire defensive line, an entire offensive line, uh, where Cathedral might have to have guys go both ways. That to me is a tough game. I also think Helix is a team that can get them. In terms of San Diego teams that could that could beat Cathedral, I think Helix is one of them, and I think uh, St. Augustine's a close second behind Helix that could potentially, uh, you know, sneak up and bite Cathedral this season. Um, I like I was saying on other podcasts, I never pick anybody to go undefeated. I never pick anybody uh, to lose all ten games. Although I have done that uh, this year, um, just because of, of certain circumstances and what have you. But to me, this team is eight and two. I think they go. Um, I think they go two and two against um, Saguaro, Centennial, Helix, and Saints. I mean, that's a pretty fair estimate. I mean, you know, Saints is a very, very, very talented team. So if they did lose that game, I mean, the Holy Bowl, which no no cathedral person wants to hear, they're going to lose the Holy Bowl. So. Well, I don't know. They don't have the uh, the stats on their side right now because the home team has not won since 2011 when I played as a junior at home. The home team has not won, and Cathedral's hosting this year. So I don't know if that's extra mojo for Saints, but if Saints continues the tradition and upsets Cathedral in the grand scheme of things for the season, or 
Cathedral breaks the uh, the streak of the home team losing. That's an interesting storyline. Yeah, look at that. That's fun. I even got my holy bull shirt. I on. see that's that. 11, 11, 11. Yeah, exactly. Is that what your sophomore year? Junior? That was my junior year, actually. Okay. Um, so I, I think we're in agreement. Eight and two is probably around the range we think Cathedral's going to be. Um, if they have a really poor season, I think it's six and four. Now, before we move on for Cathedral, I want to say one thing. Last year, I did predict them to go undefeated, and they came out against LCC and lost the first game of the year. That's what you get for picking a team so undefeated. If San Diego all, High all loses, the way, if San Diego High loses tomorrow, it's your fault. No, I think I said Sarah, didn't I? I think no, I you said, said San Diego High would go undefeated. Oh, okay. I got the tape. Okay. We can bring it up. All right. Well, to all the Dons out there listening, please go out there and, and <laughs> win the first game this year. I mean, you had a scrimmage. Let's not repeat last year. Let's go ahead and win that first game. All right. So we got Cathedral at 8-2, and two, um, you know, and one of the top dogs in the league. Madison, uh, this gets to an interesting uh, conversation is when you get to the Madison Moorhawks. Six and five a year ago, I think they kind of underachieved with the, the talent that they had. Um, they had a lot of D1 guys, and they had a lot of ability. They did have to replace a lot of linemen last year, um, and we've had this conversation multiple times about if you don't have linemen and you're going against teams that do have linemen, you're probably not going to have a good time. Their JV team last year, 6-4, and four, watched them play. They're a pretty solid JV squad. Um, they beat Saints last year. That was an incredible uh, game with the uh, lightning delay, and then they remade it, and then a chuck up to the end zone with the instant replay on the PPR and got the, the toe tap in there uh, for the win. They beat Point Loma and Rancho Bernardo. Those are their three best wins uh, a year ago. Their three worst losses, of course, losing to Grossmont in the playoffs. Um, is not a good is not a good uh, loss if there's any good losses by the way losing to Mira Mesa uh, was kind of shocking I think in 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 that term as well uh, losing to Lincoln I didn't think was that big of a shock but they did lose to Lincoln last year as well 10.5 rating coming in they got eight guys returning out of 22 um, you know one of the big guys coming back Keontae Spriggs. Uh, well, it's not just Keontae. I mean, they're going to have a balanced attack at running back this year. I call him Lightning and Thunder. You got Herman Smith and Keontae Springs. Arguably, Keontae is the best. Running back in San Diego County right now, hands down. And he could be the best overall football player. Having Herman there is going to take some of the pressure off of Keontae to be the guy. And it's going to give him a balanced running game. Uh, Herman had, I think it was a 62-yard scrimmage run, touchdown run against uh, Patrick Kennedy in the scrimmage. Uh, he looks poised to play. He plays both sides of the ball, uh, safety and running back. Now comes my question marks. They've got a really, really young quarterback. And that's where I start to get a little nervous because I watch him a 7-on-7. And I'm not sure he's ready for the big games. You know, he's still really, really young. He's like 15 years old. So maybe that inexperience at quarterback make him to bite him in some of those tougher games. Um, their offensive line, I mean, they got one of the best linemen in San Diego with Josh Simmons. And that kid is incredibly dominant. So I think he's gonna. they're going to use him uh, effectively to run the ball really well. Some of the passing game concerns me a little bit and maybe some of the corner play. Yeah, this team to me, the other thing too, you know, we always break down the schedules. Their schedule's not easy. Right. Uh, they open up at Rancho Bernardo. I think they win that game. Is um, you know Rancho Bernardo is kind of on the up uh, in terms of, of of ability. Then they have Steel Canyon, who a lot of people think is arguably the second most talented team in San Diego behind Lincoln. Uh, just talking about uh, skill position, talent wise. Then they have Granite Hills. Uh, who's also on the up there. They had a really good season last year, um, and they look to return a lot of guys uh, from last year and on the JV team. Palos Verdes, who gave them a hard time last year. At Grossmont, who beat them last year. Lincoln, who beat them last year. Cathedral, who beat them last year. At Point Loma, of course, at St. Augustine. And then at Mira Mesa, who also beat them last year. Uh, the schedule doesn't really play into their favor. No, I would, I would agree. I mean, I think they're a... Three and seven, four at six at best. I think this will be the first losing record that, that Madison's had in a while. 
Yeah, I, I'm around the three and seven at worst, two and eight, but at best probably four and six, kind of that range uh, for the Madison Warhawks. Um, you know, because their freshman team wasn't very good last year either in terms, but I heard their incoming freshman class is not bad. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Come on, you're supposed to be top dog. You're supposed to know every single level of every single team in San Diego, uh, throwing you through a loop. Hey, you said no notes, so I try to I try to yeah. pull a fast one on you uh, with the freshman Madison team. I don't know. I haven't seen them either. I just yeah. the, the stories that I've heard. Moving on to uh, the most talked about team over the summer, of course, the Lincoln Hornets. Uh, they come in 11 and five a year ago. They won a CIF championship last year. JV team went seven and three. They beat San Diego High. They beat Granite Hills. They beat Mira Mesa. Lost the Point Loma Saints and. Cathedral, so they lost to the two top dogs, and then they kind of lost a fluke game uh, to Point Loma. They entered with a 32.4 rating, returning 12 of their 22 guys, um, but they get a lot of transfers in. Um, you know, we'll see what happens in terms of Xavier Hamlet when he can return uh, after getting nicked up in the uh, in the scrimmage game uh, in the SDFNL Classic against San Marcos, but. I like this Lincoln team. They're very talented on paper. Um, you were talking about how they actually have some linemen to help them out this year for the first time in a long time. Um, that's always been kind of the, the knock on Lincoln. It's like they have all these skill guys, but they can't either get in the ball or they can't protect their quarterback enough uh, to be efficient. I think that fact of having better linemen, um, I think the transfers in is going to be a huge help. Um, I think their schedule um, for the most part should help them out. They do have to play Eastlake and San Clemente are two pretty tough games uh, for them and traveling up to San Clemente is a, is a long bus ride uh, for anybody as well. I like this Lincoln Hornets team. I think they go 7-3. and three. I think they. Um, I don't think they beat San Clemente on the road and I also don't think they beat the Catholic schools in their league. Well, that doesn't leave much for me to say. Um, let me first start off by saying prayers up for Xavier Hamlet. I was right there when he got injured, and, uh, you know, we wish him a speedy recovery, first and foremost. Uh, secondly, watching this team, this isn't the same Lincoln team that, that from years past. And, you know, uh, everybody screams, oh, they're a 7-on-7 seven seven team. Oh, they can only play 7-on-7. Seven seven. Yeah, I probably wouldn't say that this year. I mean, they had a D-line with uh, Fontaine. I think Fontaine had eight sacks in the first half, half against San Marcos. Um, I had a couple phone calls and asked me how the quarterback looked at San Marcos, and my response was he looked okay when he was picking himself up off the ground. <laughs> exactly. I mean, the reality of the situation is they got some dudes on the offensive line and the defensive line. I felt bad for, I think it was the defensive end, number 42 at San Marcos, because those two, the right, the left tackle and the right guard, folded him in half and landed on him and pancaked him five, six, seven times. And that's a big difference from team from a Lincoln team in the past. They do have a dominant offensive line, a dominant defensive line, arguably the, the very best secondary in all of San Diego County. And when you add on all those athletes out there, then you add Benjo O'Brien and you add Keyshawn Smith. If you double Benjo, Keyshawn's going to beat you over the top. If you double Keyshawn, they're going to go underneath. You don't need a strong arm or a superb quarterback in an offense like that. You take what the defense gives you. And so far, that's what they've been doing. And I, I just... It's going to be very, very difficult for teams to um, to stop that passing attack. The caveat, I don't think they have a very good straight run, running game. You know, I had a chance to talk with Jason Carr, their offensive coordinator over there at Lincoln, and, and I told him candidly, you know, in order to beat the Cathedral teams or the St. Augustine team or even St. Clemente, you're going to have to be a little bit more balanced, and you're going to have to learn to run the ball. And I think they're aware of that, and I think they know that going into that. But I'm 100% agreeance with you that they lose to uh, St. Clemente. They lose to St. Augustine and they lose to Cathedral, and they finish the season seven and three. If you finish the seven, if you finish the season seven and three, and your three losses are to an Orange County team and two private schools, 
That's a good. That's season. a hell of a year. Yes, I mean it is. I mean, and, and not not just for Lincoln, but for anybody. That Any is a school. hell of a year, especially uh, a San Diego school. Especially a San Diego school. Uh, especially a San Diego uh, public school. Uh, to 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 have that uh, on their on their on their deal. I think they're better than Eastlake. I think they'll win that game. I think they'll hammer El Camino. Um, although El Camino is going to be better this year than than uh, last year supposedly. Um, I got to watch them a little bit in the scrimmage. They were more uh, competent at moving the football. Um, you know, with Armand Trout back there and what have you. We'll see how long it um, you know it plays out for El Camino. But again, I think they start the season three and zero against Monta Vista without Jamal McClendon is not going to be the same Monta Vista team. I was talking with Naran Hamamoto on. On one of our other podcasts, and he—I mean, he was—he was, he was Frank. He was like, "It's going to be impossible to replace him. You can't replace right. uh, him." And he's like, "When we were going in hammering people because they couldn't tackle McClendon, we can't do that anymore. So it's right. going to be like we're going to kind of change our offense and, and do what we have." Um, and to start with Lincoln Week One after a great performance against San Marcos last week, yeah. Good and luck. I think you know, I want to add something to that. I mean, we talk a lot about the explosive offense for Lincoln. I talk about that secondary, but. Arguably one of the best players in the county that flies around and makes tackles, and I anticipate he's probably going to have 20 tackles a game, and that's Marquise Allen Patman. I think he actually may end up being the defensive player of the year. We saw him against uh, Mira Mason, the CF championship game here on 97 through the fan, and he he was uh, he was killing it. And that team was that team was that team was running down uh, tumbling like he wasn't fast. And uh, they they did a really good job defensively in that game. They did a good job offensively in that game. Um, I'm 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 interested to see this Lincoln Hornets team come to come to fruition and, and play this year, uh, especially with all the seven on seven noise. My thing is seven on seven is different from football. But if you're good on seven on seven, that doesn't mean you're not good at football. And if you're good at football, it doesn't mean you're not good at seven on seven. I think it goes intertwined. It just depends on what type of team you have at the well, end, at the end of the day. Seven on seven is a tool. And I don't think people understand that as much as they should. It's a tool for different character, different play development, you know, getting your quarterbacks, your receivers on the same page, maybe teaching some of your secondary, you know, different coverages and the cover guys. This argument versus football versus 707 really needs to end. I mean, the reality is it's a tool. Some teams use it, some teams don't. I don't think, like, one's better than the other. I just still think it's it's different. Yes. It's just different. It's apples and oranges. Um the thing I think that that makes people upset, and they just assume this all the time because they don't actually know, but, like, any time a team loses in 7-on-7, seven seven, what is their excuse? Oh, we don't have pads on. We don't have pads on. Right. Where do we put pads on? But, like, let's just say for let's if Southwest San Diego loses to Lincoln in passing league, they would still say that. I mean, this is like it doesn't matter what the team is. They're still saying that. It's kind of like a crutch of an excuse. Um, and sometimes it's true and sometimes it's not. I think the one time you can make the argument is when you have teams running plays that just don't exist. In well, I mean, football. yeah. Like, we, like what I'm talking, like what I mean don't exist, I mean you're lining up next to the center and running crossing routes. Yeah. But that's not what Lincoln does. Right. Lincoln runs their offense. Right. Their offense is spread. Their offense does really well in 7-on-7. Seven seven. Now, if Cathedral was running a spread offense in 7-on-7 seven seven and they beat somebody, yeah, I'd be a little like, all right, were you going to do this in the game? Like, right. are you really going to do this? Right. That's where my argument's like, all right, guys, let's let's tone it down on 7-on-7. Seven seven. But if you, like Lincoln and like Madison and Kearney and the teams that like running that spread offense go dominate 7-on-7 seven seven, running their stuff— they're not just a seven-on-seven team, but if you got a team, if you got a team that usually runs a wing T or usually does something that doesn't do their stuff and goes and wins, um, you know, seven-on-seven tournaments and then goes four and six in the regular season. Well, then you let, can make let me let me add a, a, an interesting stat for you that, that kind of goes along to what you're saying. One hundred percent 
of the CIF champions last year made it to either a semifinal or a final of a, of a 707 tournament last spring. That's including Tory Pines and Cathedral that are wing T offenses. Yes, sir. 100%. And guess what? They're running their stuff. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. I've seen it. I've seen it all the time, even with like, cause I've, I've been on the Cathedral sideline at a seven on seven tournament, and they beat a team that, you know, maybe runs a spread, maybe they don't, and they go, well, if we got pads on, we would have beat you. It's like, yeah. Are you really? Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's just passing plays. All right. So if you're running your stuff, I'm cool with seven on seven. It's a great teaching goal. If you're just doing it to try to win seven on seven games, it's not to develop your team for the regular season. All right. Well, I mean, I. Th- you know, I'm passionate about it. I'm a team owner on the Dago Dogs, and, and I believe in really character development. And, you know, we use our 707 program to um, develop the person and the player. And so I think that you'll see a lot of the players that really – some of these guys aren't two-sport two aren't athletes. Some of them are. Like Herman Smith from, from Madison played with us, and he ran track and did 707 at the same time. So a lot of these arguments that people make in, in social media about, oh, I want to play two sports or I want to do that – Guys, they're doing it. There's nothing taking away. It doesn't take away anything from a high school program for these kids to play on a travel 707 team. It just doesn't. Well, I, I think it's also, I think it's different too. Because, like, if you're playing baseball and then you're playing travel ball, right, it's the same thing. It's still right? baseball. It's, it's just the same thing. So it's like you're burning out your arm. You're play- it's not like in the springtime they're playing a tackle football league. Right. It's still different, and you're working on different things. Um, it's like running track, and it's like you know you can get in shape doing seven on seven, and you can work on your it's breaks, work. and you work on your cuts. It's work. Uh, what's the difference between seven on seven and playing basketball? Right. You're making the same moves. It's all the same thing. That's why I try kind of treat seven on seven like its own little sport. Yep. In my opinion, I think you agree with that. I 100 percent agree with that. And you got your little plug in for your for your dogs or whatever, <laughs> whatever your team is. Of course, uh, we've talked enough about Lincoln and seven on seven and all that fun stuff. Let's get to Point Loma. Um, this is the team. This is the team in the Western League. I think we both can agree on going to have a bad time, and probably one of the teams that's going to get bumped down next year uh, when they do the league uh, switches. Uh, you know, I'll say this: I think the most underrated player on that team is Caden Gill. I mean, the kid. The kid's done really well over the last two years. Um, Ran the rock. I think he ran for over a thousand yards receiving for over four hundred yards last year. You know, they're that sleeper team though. You know, a lot of teams I think are gonna overlook them and I think that's a mistake. I think they've got enough guys that are on that on the offensive line, defensive line, and a lot of skill position players that potentially could play upset and knock one of these teams off. It wouldn't surprise me if they knocked off a team that they were supposed to lose to and they come back and win that game. Especially at home. It's hard to play under the lights at home Especially in Point Loma if you're busy. Lights. Yeah, well, Wait, try to feel the punt out there when the ball goes tough. above the lights. You're like, where'd the ball go? And so don't be. I, I would say this: don't count them out because I think they're going to play spoiler for one of those open division teams, and they very well could. Well, Point Loma to me is a team that, um, like I was going to say, even though I said they're probably going to get bumped down next year, I think there's a reason why they're in this league to begin with. It's not because they were some pushover team for the last you know decade or so. Um, they just had a couple down years for sure. Five and six last year. They beat Lincoln, Rancho Bernardo, and Ramona. Lost to El Camino, Otay Ranch, and uh, Madison. I don't know how they lost to El Camino last year. It was a game-winning field goal, correct? If yeah. I if I am not mistaken. And it was at El Camino. And it was so. at El Camino. So they get to host El Camino travel. this time. Um, I got them beating El Camino. They play them week one. Then they're at Ramona on the mountain. I don't think they win that game. Otay Ranch at Rancho Bernardo Olympian. I think Olympian's a, a win for them. Um, then you get to uh, league play, and then the cross league, of course, is at University City. Um, 
Are they the worst? Are they? Do they finish in last in the Western League, or they jump to four? Uh, you know, they're probably going to finish in last. I mean, when you when you look at Madison Saints Cathedral, you know the teams above them, if you will, they're gonna they're probably going to finish at five and five and finish last. In any other league, that's you know second place, third place. But when you're in the Western League and they're dominating everybody in the Western League against cross leagues and non league schedules, five and five is going to put them in last. Doesn't mean they're a bad team. I still think they make the 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 D one playoffs. They're in D two. D two playoffs, and I still think they actually make a run in D two. Well, they can ab- that that's the thing is their non league schedule is um not bad. It's pretty good, and then if they get through that, if they go five and five. I expect them to get to the uh, maybe the semifinals in D two. I agree with that because they got to play Cathedral, and by the time they play Cathedral, they've already played Centennial, Helix, East Lake. You know, go right. through the list. They're going to play Lincoln. By the time they play Lincoln, Lincoln's a rip through East Lake, San Clemente, Saint Augustine. You know, they're the battle tested, right? Saint Augustine. By the time that Point Loma plays Saint Augustine, the last game of the season, they have played Lincoln, Cathedral, Helix, Loyola, East Lake. I mean, there's. They're gonna Point Loma is gonna be battle tested just as much as some of these other schools, if not more than a lot of schools in D two. The the sad part for Point Loma is I think they go in the league in first place and they finish the season in last place. Do you think they go five and five or yep. five and zero oh before the season starts? Uh, four and one, maybe four and one, five. Four and, oh. and one, and then they beat UC in the cross league. Yeah, so they get to five wins there, but then they you know they run into that gauntlet where they got to play Lincoln, Saint Augustine, Cathedral, Madison. And I think they lose three or four of those games. They got a bot. They got two weeks to prepare for Cathedral. Then they have University City. Then they have Madison Lincoln Saints to finish up the year. Yeah. Uh, that and is, you got to stay healthy for those games. Oh, absolutely. That that is the problem with football in general. It's like it's not like baseball where you can throw your ace and whatever, and nobody gets hurt. By the time we get to league play, this could be totally these all these teams could be totally like drastically different. Yep, one hundred percent agree. Let's get to Saint Augustine, ten and four uh, last year, Division One CIF champions over Helix. Uh, they uh, beat Lincoln as well, and uh, I think they beat Steel Canyon, if I'm not mistaken, on this list. I just got to check real quick; it's cut off. Uh, they did beat Steel, uh, lost to Madison, Helix, and Cathedral. Those are three or four losses. That's that's not a bad year um, from a year ago. Did not submit their JV record. Did not submit their returning starters. They had some transfers in. Um, they got a lot of guys. They got a lot of dudes. Uh, you picked them kind of to be their no- your number one team after you picked uh, another team to be your number one team. So, But I, you make the case they're probably top three definitely in San Diego. Uh, open up with Benita, who they're going to absolutely dismantle tomorrow night. Uh, then at Eastlake, Loyola, at Otai, Helix. Um, and then Morse is their cross-league game before they get to league play. Um, another tough schedule for them. I think they're going to be really good. I think they can give Cathedral a run for their money. Um, they're definitely going to be players in the Western League uh, league championship uh, saga, if you will. I got them at least going 8-2 and two this season. Uh, 100% agree. I actually have an 8-2 as well. Um, the inter- There's two interesting games that I, that I look at on their schedule. If they beat Lincoln and they beat Cathedral, obviously they're in the open. They're going to get a one seed. Obviously, they're league champions. And and they'll get the, the, the one seed in the open. And they should. I mean, with that schedule, that gauntlet, being in the Western League and who they got to play. Now, they lose one of those two games, what happens then? They drop to a three, and they could even drop out of the open division if they lose bo- both of those games. So, whoever wins two out of three of those games. And that's assuming they beat Helix. Exactly. So, it's going to be tough. I mean, it's not going to be an easy road. Now, here's the deal. I, I do think they are the most talented roster-wise in the entire county. 
I mean, top to bottom, you look at their offensive line. You look at Ann Baxter. You look at, you know, Richie Comanero coming over. You look at Perez. They got two quarterbacks. They got a legitimate running back in Byron Cardwell, who's, who's an absolute monster on both D1 sides of the looks. ball. As a sophomore, going into his junior year, he's getting D1 looks. Um, you got Sammy Scave. You know, Sammy's out there every weekend mossing somebody and running crazy routes. He did that against got, Helix in the CF Championship. They've got arguably the best corner in the county with Tyson McWilliams. I mean, legitimately, he's got seven, maybe eight D1 guys on his team. That roster is absolutely loaded, and they've got one of the best offensive lines in the entire county. So who stops them? That's why I said the Western League is going to be a dogfight when you get to last, like, four weeks of the season. These guys are going to go at each other, and you're going to see some really, really good football. Oh, it's going to be fun from, um, let's see the, the weeks here, from about October. Four, once October rolls around, it gets real. you have playoff baseball and Major League Baseball, and you have the Western League. That, yeah. I mean, that's that's the, the point and simple must And TV. listen, these teams don't like each other. Let's be honest. When you no. go to the Holy Bowl, I mean, if you haven't been to a Holy Bowl, go. Just to experience what the Holy Bowl is about. You've got arguably 15,000 people around this stadium. It's an experience. You got a, you got two Catholic schools that fight against each other, and I hadn't I hadn't been to a Holy Bowl like in a couple of years. I went last year, and it was incredible. Just the atmosphere, the people, the tailgating, everybody getting together. It's it's a great high school football experience. The reason why the Saints Cathedral rivalry I think is the best in San Diego is because of the alumni support um, from both schools, and um, and and the thing is, it's it, it's fun, but the, there's a respect level to it. Because at the, how many times have you seen a fight in that game? I've never seen. A I've fight never in that seen game. a fight in nope. my all my years of being on the Saints sideline, of being on the no, Cathedral sideline, playing. Talking, but, but there's never a fight. Right. There's a lot of trash talking, but and no there's fights. never a fight between the coaches. There's never. It's always a respect thing, and it's 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 a fun it's a fun rivalry game. Yes, they both hate each other. But they both respect each other. That's why what makes that game such a great rivalry. The other thing is too, it's like a lot of those kids on those teams. Um, it's not as much now as it was before, but the majority of those rosters are still parochial school kids. Absolutely. And th- those parochial schools split in half. You either right. go to Saints or you go to Cathedral. You don't really, and then a couple kids go to public school. Uh, you know, after that, but a lot of those kids know each other for nine, ten years plus. Uh, either playing youth sports together, playing on the same parochial school, going to school with these kids for a long time. Um, it, it, it's a fun game. Again, like you were saying, if you've never been to one of those games, you have to go. Um, I, I was telling people here in this building at 97, you have to go to that game. Yeah. It's not like any – I mean, that is the closest thing San Diego High School football is to – Texas, Texas High Friday, School football. Yeah, Texas Friday Night Lights. To Friday Night yep. because the game is packed, yep. and that game is, is unbelievable every year. But it's not just Cathedral and Saints that don't like each other. That whole league is fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. it's a ba- And these all these schools have been playing each other for so long, um, whether it be in the Western League, the Eastern League, the Harbor League that they used to be in. It doesn't matter. These schools have all played each other a long time. Point Loma thinks they have a rivalry at the Catholic schools. Um, I know for a fact, you know, Madison and Lincoln can't stand the private schools. The private schools uh, don't like playing Point Loma and all that. It's it's a fun. This is there's a, fun a great league. deal of storylines. It's a fun league. Uh, you have the storylines in the Avocado League. They all hate each other up, up there. Um, but this is this is arguably one of the best leagues. I would love to see Mira Mesa back in this league with Coach Thompson. Uh, he kind of got the. Uh, well, you know, he wants that league. He I know he does. He doesn't want to be in the Eastern times. League. He wants to be um, in the Western League. He feels was, like they belong there. Well, I was about to say they. He got dealt a bad set of cards. Um, you know, with the last couple of years before he took over, Mira Mesa just went into the tank. 
and they decide to switch the leagues right before he gets there, and Mira Mesa gets bumped. Right. Um, but Mira Mesa belongs in this league. Right. Um, and you know, you know, after la- last season, Mira Mesa would have been able to hang in this league. In fact, they did. They beat Madison. Yeah. So they obviously weren't the worst team in this league. It was just a matter of time before they turned things around. I can't wait to see Mira Mesa in that league. Um, Forget it. Don't so here's send the question: down, Do they? Do team. they? Yeah. Do they add a team, or do they subtract a team, or do they replace a team? I don't, Which well, one? Right, so, so what I would do is I would just bump Mira Mesa up. Just add them. Make I it would a sixteen league. Them, make it a big league. I mean, because you know, point. Well, then do you add it and go west and east? Do the cross league thing? Yeah. No. No. Okay. Here's my thing with the cross league. Uh, are you ready for my cross league breakdown? Cross league was fun when I was in, when I was playing. Because when I was playing, it wasn't based on how good you were. It was just, I don't know how it was based on, but it was like, when I played, it was Patrick Henry, it was Scripps Ranch, it was Mira Mesa, it was Lincoln, um, it was uh, Saints and Cathedral. Is that enough? That's six. That was our six-team league. The other league had Point Loma, Madison, Morse, you know, uh, you know, a couple other uh, San Diego, you know, section teams as well. You could do a cross league with that because right. Madison could one could have played one, two could have played two, three could have played three. It would have made sense. But when you do it based on the top six teams are in the upper league, and then you take, you know, seven through twelve, seven versus one is not a good matchup. The no, only I mean, matchup that's I, good know, is seven. Last versus year, six. last year I got to go see a cross league with Tory Pines, and they played San Pasquale. Yeah, that was not. A, I mean, it was forty-five to, to nothing at halftime. It was. It wasn't fun. It was exciting. I don't think the kids enjoyed it. I mean, that that doesn't help anybody. The cross league last year, Cathedral and Christian, was a fiasco. Yeah, because neither team wanted to play it. Then they had the lightning thing, and then they were complaining about not being able to for, like forfeit, and then all this other. You know, and nobody wanted to play. It. They had to k- take that game off the schedule this year. Uh, two years before that, Cathedral's cross league matchup for two years was Scripps Ranch. Yeah, that's Ain't not nobody fair. at Scripps Ranch wanted to play that game. Nobody at Cathedral wanted to play that game. When I was in high school, my junior, and, my my senior year, this is the first year they started the cross leagues. We played Morse, who we were way better than, and we played Sarah High School. Those are two teams that shouldn't be on our schedule, and right. those teams don't want to play that game. And the and the teams that are really good don't want to play that game either. You might as well just load the league up. Don't do a cross league. And if you if you need an extra game, just give them an extra week. Just right. go get them a go have San Augustine go play another team in Orange County. Have yep. Cathedral go play another team out of town. Uh, Lincoln's probably gonna have to go find another game. All these teams have to play somebody out of town now anyway. You might as well just add another one to the list. Agree. That's my thing on the cross league. What you do you good? what you, you good? what do you do with the uh, Western League? Um, I had two teams do it actually. I think you had two teams. You, you get you get too. You know what? Yeah, I would add Christian. You, I had, think you Christian go four and four, and there. I think you go four and four. I mean, Christian's been the benefit of being, which I don't really understand. They're an East County team, but they're in like the city conference, which East, I don't get because there's a lot of politics in that deal. Yeah. If you want the conversation, talk to Adam Paul of EC Preps. Um, the thing that's weird with that whole deal is somebody is lying. Because all the Grossmont Hill, all the Grossmont League coaches are saying, "Oh, we'd love to have Christian," and yeah, we've, we're not afraid to play anybody. And then the media guys that go to the same meeting as the Grossmont Hills League or the Grossmont League um, meetings go, "No," because they bring up Christian every year, and nobody wants him in the league. It's it's a weird it's a weird thing with with Christian being added to the Grossmont uh, conference. I don't know. And I then, don't know. And then you got and then well then you got the other thing too. It's like the Catholic schools. 
and the private schools that are in the city league have always been in the city leagues, and they're run by the diocese of San Diego. But then you start playing into the leagues, and and most of most like conferences are based on school districts. Right. So Christian's not in the Grossmont school district. So the Grossmont school district academic sides like why are we adding this team to our you know they don't see the athletic side of it right. where it's like why are we adding this team to the league they've had conversations in the avocado league about adding cathedral and it never ends well yeah they shouldn't be in the avocado league i like them exactly where they are they're yeah, a, exactly. they're, a city they're, a city sc- they're they're in the city limits of san diego yes. they've always been a city school yes. just leave them in i know they grow up north in del mar area whatever it's a city it's a city team yep but and then the well real quick before we because we got to wrap this thing up here the whole thing with – I was talking with John Maffey, and they were talking about, you know, realignment, what happens if the city schools don't want to play the, the private schools anymore. Why, wait, and, wait, hold on, though. Let me ask an honest question, though. You see these city schools ducking anybody? No, I, I don't. don't. So all that talk, all that, that hoopla that you hear people talking about, listen, I don't see those city coaches ducking anybody. I don't see the South Bay duck anybody. I don't see the city duck anybody. I think those I don't are, see the majority. I don't see the majority of East County not, uh, ducking anybody. So what are you saying, Todd? I'm not saying anything. <laughs> you heard the three conferences I said. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is, is – I hear a lot of conjecture There might, there might be a thing with league, league uh, alignment that's been tossed around where they might just place the Catholic schools in different leagues if they take them out of the city leagues. So they would go Cathedral and the Avocado. They'd put Christian in East County. But where do you put Saints? That's my argument against that whole thing is that where do you put Saints? If they're not going to be in the City League, even though they're in the heart of San Diego, right. what, are you going to put them in the South Bay with Modern Day? No. Modern Day's in the South Bay. If it stays in the South Bay, you have to keep but, Saints but in that, the city. That's, again, you have why, to. Are all the, why are all the, the uh, religious schools in the City Conference except for Modern Day? Right? And then why isn't Christian in these? There's so many different like weird right. there right. weird things with that. It's political, Brady. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff above our I'm I, if, me and above you, my pay grade. if me and you were in charge and we just had our way and said everybody said yes to us, we could probably make some sweet leagues. I think we I think we'd have a would you even have, playing fields is what I'll say. I think we would have even playing fields. I don't think you'd have the haves and the have nots. I think you'd have competitive football across all levels, from divi- from the open division all the way around to D four. It's more fun that way. Are you eight team? Eight team. Last thing. Eight team open or four team open? Do you like the new? I one? like four. I don't like the eight. There were teams like I remember that year I went. Tori Tori traveled to Cathedral. That was not a fun game to watch. I don't like the eight one matchup. That first week, it's like you fight to get in the and listen. Nobody wants to be the eight seed in the open. Nobody. Seven nobody. teams are fighting for the open. Right. And but then nobody like eight, wants nine, the and eight. Ten are like trying to really. If you're hard the eight, let me ask you. If you're the eight. I tank that game so I can be the one in D one. I'm not. You know what I want? This is my. I don't want to be the eight man. There's a lot of coaches though that want to win the best game. No, there's you think, not. You no, think, there's you not. Think, listen, they'll you tell think you Chris that. Tom, you think Chris Thompson's ducking the open so he can go win a D one title? I don't know. I, listen, I'm not going to call out Chris. Chris is a friend of mine, you so I won't call him out. But I'll say this. I'll say this. You know, there were a lot of criticism last year. Like, I'll be candid about it. There was a lot of criticism last year about Lincoln not playing. Because of injuries, they didn't. They didn't. They forfeited the game against Cathedral. Now, here's my argument. Okay, when the New England Patriots are getting ready to head into the playoffs and they're playing for a Super Bowl, they sit there. They're starters. Everybody's okay with that. Yeah, right. If I'm in a Division Two program and I have no chance to get into the Open, zero chance. Doesn't mean if I win, lose, whatever. What do I have to gain besides 
bragging rights or bravado to go play Cathedral. So my argument is this. I think that was a smart decision for a head coach. You don't have to like it. I get it. But if I'm trying to go in a CIF championship in Division Two, I'm not playing that game. I understand that. Just don't tell them on Wednesday. Okay, fair enough. You, I mean, fair I, enough. That's not like you're going through Monday, Tuesday, going, yeah, we might have a chance, maybe not, and then Wednesday, all of a sudden, listen, you're like, no, I don't come listen. On. I wasn't in the coaching staff meeting. I wasn't I don't, in the meeting I either. The, so I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what when the decision was made. Doors. I don't know. You know, done. Uh, all the coaches at Lincoln could have said on Saturday, we're not going to do it, and then admin could have failed to tell Cathedral until Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, there's I, I so many know. different. I don't. There's know. so many parts. But so I'm I, just saying, I I wouldn't have played that. I understand that argument. I'm just from the bunch of I just want to play. To me, here's here's and my I'll thing. be honest. I mean, here's looking my... at his roster, he had what twenty six guys. You think he's coming out of that game healthy? No. And winning a champ. Let me ask you this: If he plays that game, he's not winning a champion. Do they win, no. do they beat Mira Mesa? No, I don't think so. Do they do they go to state? Hurt. Somebody's gonna get hurt. Exactly. In that game. Well, here here's my thing with with forfeits and um, unless unless you have like ten guys, um, we practice. All year round, we do all the lifting, we do all the seven on seven, we do all the August for ten games. I mean, you're guaranteed ten games. Some of these kids, this is it. Like yep. that, that this, this is it. And after, and the kids don't they they will never understand this. And I never got it until it was, it was over. over. But the thing is, it's like at the end of the day, this is it for them. That's I mean, that's one less game. Eighty percent of your roster. This is it for them at the end of the season. They'll it never, is. They'll I mean, never you play can even again. make the argument for most teams. It's ninety percent of their roster. Agree. I mean, I'm that, being generous. That, yeah, right, but it's like that's it. I mean, that's you're never going to play football ever again. I mean, is it fun to get your butt kicked? No, it's not. No, they. I, but there's a lot of kid. Here's the thing. Here's the thing that you know. Here, I'm going to give you the other side of it. Okay. There's a lot of kids at Cathedral. That busted their tail the entire summer. That busted their tail throughout the entire season. That is a game that they could get into because they're going to get their guys in quick. Right. And Sean knows the writing on the wall. If the game and if if they talk before, hey man, we got twenty six guys. You know, gentlemen's agreement type of deal. They're not going to run it up on them. And guess what? They're going to get kids in. You know, I thought that until I watched the game last year. Uh, there was a. Uh, but it's it's the city team that played a El Cajon team, and I think it was like fifty-seven to nothing, and the guy was throwing for the end zone, and it was fifty-seven here's, nothing. Every situation is different. Fair enough, right? I mean, you could, come on. I mean, it's like think about some of the schools that want to get kids in that have a lot of kids. I yeah. mean, that's that's the other side of the argument for me is is you know. You're I, right. You're I, right. I, I gotta give. I gotta move. give Coach Doyle his respect. I mean, he he's a very respected, respectable coach, and I don't think I don't see him running it up on anybody. I don't see him. You know, I think he'd do the right thing. He pulls starters and, and let some of the other guys. Even get when I've I've been part of that program, and even when Cathedral needs to obliterate someone for state recognition, he won't do it. He won't do it. He just won't do he's it. He's a class and, act. Yeah, but again, I can't say that for every other coach in the county. Exactly. So that, That's my so, argument. So I, I understand. I, I can't say it's that for everybody. Sides. It's like, look, it gets not only like, here's the other thing. You could just sit all your studs and then just have your kids play if you're Lincoln, if you wanted to, um, and just have it and just be like, hey, look, I, what about this? What if you, it's probably not, say, it's probably like, you're, it's probably liable and all like the legal stuff, but like, what if you just forfeit the game and then you just play a game that doesn't count? Just to get your kids reps. I mean, that, that's possible. I mean, but that's again, that's a gentleman's agreement. I, yeah, you know, I don't think CIF. You know, CIF wants that gate. Right. At the exactly. end of the day, let's you be honest. Still, you could still have not, a gate for it. You know, CIF is not going to give up that gate no matter what. That was fun, Chris. 
We got, I don't even know how long we, we got. We got to. We got to wrap this up. We got to wrap this up. We've been going to 47 minutes strong. It is the Western League uh, preview, though. You got to go along with the Western League. It's going to be one of the top leagues in San Diego County. We also don't have a coach's interview for this for this league podcast either. He is Chris Smith, top dog. I'm Braden Soprano. We'll be at it, uh, I'm sure, throughout the rest of the year. Um, but uh, you got one more thing to say? I do. Are you not entertained? <laughs> I know everybody's going to be fired up uh, for the high school season after listening to this. Thanks again for joining us on the uh, high school football podcast, breaking down the Western League. Be sure to check out all our other podcasts. And, of course, uh, check us out on 97.3 The Fan. He's Chris Smith, top dog. I'm Braden Sprenet. We'll see you guys next time. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.